I'm doing the fasting again. Oh, good. I'm on that. I've been on that. Yeah. That's good. I really enjoy it. Yeah. You so I fasting. Mm-hmm. So I do uh, twelve o'clock in the afternoon to nine exactly. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, so I extended mine today a little bit. Uh, that's why I'm on water now. So yeah. You know, jasmine tea works too, right? If you're, or like green tea. Well, green tea just makes me tends to make me just hungry. Uh, but yeah, you can like do some green tea with some ice or ice green tea. Oh, I, I only drink hot tea, but I can, yeah, I can drink tea sometimes. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Drink tea. Hey, welcome once again to the Black Tie Affair Show, where two friends used to talk about politics, pro sports, and pop culture, but the world's on fire, so now we're basically focused on politics. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I am one of your hosts, Jelani, and through the magic of cyberspace, to my left, Patrick. Yes. Good Patrick. old patty, patty, patty. See, now that was unnecessary. <laughs> no one. It's called filler. It's called filler. All right. All right. Anyway, so we're just going to jump right into it. Patrick has his drink ready, like sipping, sipping something, sipping something. Uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about the news. So with that being said, Patrick, I only have one question for you, and that is, what is new? So it keeps happening. Yeah. It continues to happen. White police officers continue to shoot or kill unarmed black men. Yeah. Black people. Like, now it does happen a lot with black men, but black people. Correct. We're not forgetting about Breonna Taylor. We're not forgetting about Breonna Taylor. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yes. Um, It is an awful, it's, it's an awful, sad situation, but it's almost to the point where it's like comical, you know, like, and I say in a sense, that you know, I went back and looked at our our, our uh, past uh, podcast notes from like a couple years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And literally, we were talking about this happening. I remember one note that said, "We can't even keep track anymore of the names of uh, of these individuals because there's so many that are happening." Yeah, and, and that was thing- like two years ago, and um, and it's almost it's almost like it's like we are living like an onion story. Like, like it feels like it's so unreal. You, you know the onion, right? No, I don't know what the hell you're talking oh, the, about. What does that mean? <laughs> the onion. <laughs> you look at me like, what do you reference onion? I'm like, onion. we're living the, I was like, oh, a groundhog day or something. I'd be like, no, the, we're living the onion story because no, I'm crying I'm all the time. Is that why? No, I'm glad you look, I'm glad you gave me that face because you giving me that face makes me realize that, um, there's probably a lot of other people who don't know what the heck the onion is. Yeah. A lot of people are listening right now and they stop the tape. They're oh. like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> the Onion is a website, but it's like a satirical website. Oh, it's like okay. A, website a story that, that like you make news stories. Gotcha. I mean, they they have a little, they have a hint of truth to them, and then it's like they, and then they go off the wall. You know, that's why they say oftentimes the Trump administration is like a living, breathing Onion article because it's just you, you couldn't make this shit up. Yeah, you know? I... and so you know, I don't, I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just saying, get to the point where it's just. It just, it's beyond reality because, you know, it's not, and before we get into Richard Brooks, you know, it's not like it's happening to Asians at such a rapid clip. It's not happening to uh, Latinos. It's not happening to, to like white men or white women nearly as much. And it just, um, you know, it just astounds me that this continues to happen, even in the wake of this. Even in the wake of like, okay, we need to be super duper, duper, duper careful, right? Every cop around the country, like the eyes are watching you and they are happening to record you. You know, they are recording you and it just happens. And imagine all the places where it's not being recorded. No, exactly. And the thing is, I actually read an article from a gentleman whose brother was killed and it wasn't recorded. The thing about it is like, this is kind of their bread and butter. Like people don't want to say, oh no, like why are somebody like claiming that 
police are just killers. I'm like, not necessarily that they're just killers. However, their business is violence. And you're going to bring up something very similar to that later on in the show that like, that is their business. Like we try to imagine them as this, Oh, you know, this is positive beacon of good. And sometimes, you know, some of the things we see on television say that, but think about it. Like they are trained to say, okay, if a threat happens, if a threat, like this is what they're built on. So if that's the case, Maybe you shouldn't have the person with the itchy trigger figure who should have an itchy trigger figure for certain situations. Maybe they should not go to talk to someone who is in the middle of a Wendy's parking lot. Maybe they shouldn't deal with that situation. Maybe someone else can deal with that situation. That's all I'm saying. So we're going to get into that. Um, but let's talk about Richard Brooks. Uh, for those who don't know, because it just happened a couple days ago. He's a 27-year-old black father for, who was fatally shot by uh, Atlanta police officers. Um, now, when I first heard this story, uh, you know, as with all things, there's stories like this. Uh, there's an accompanying video, right? And uh, the video was actually released just a few, like, a, like, I think like a day ago. And it shows kind of the body cam footage. It shows you kind of the details of what happened. Now... On Friday, June 12th, uh, two white police officers arrived at a Wendy's drive-thru around 10.30 p.m. Because uh, apparently Brooks had fallen asleep uh, in his vehicle. Now, the Wendy's uh, worker actually called the police because what ended up happening was he fell asleep at the drive-thru and he, he ended up creating like, this big long line. No one could move because this guy was blocking the drive-thru. Now, um, you didn't watch the video. Of course not. Right? You don't watch those videos. Nope. Well, what ends up happening is that you see, for those who, who haven't watched it, um, you, see the, you see Richard Brooks eventually, you know, the cops arrive. He's asleep uh, at the drive-thru. Um, and there's lines of car waiting at the drive-thru. They eventually wake him up. He pulls the car over. Uh, and the cops go and talk to him. And he's talking pretty coherently. I mean, and he's talking pretty like... He's of sound mind and body. He doesn't even seem drunk. So they put him through a breathalyzer test and they put him through kind of a, uh, what do they call when they? Um, yeah, field sobri sobriety test. There you go. Um, they put him through that and uh, you know, he fails and he tells him, hey, look, my sister's house is just down the block. Can I just, can I just go down the block? You know, he wasn't on an open road, right? He was like in the Wendy's and he fell asleep. And um, he, you know, he, he talks to the cops and he tries to, negotiate with them and say hey like like can you just let me go like just here you know like i'll like i'll take my keys i'll leave my car here i won't mess with it i won't drive anymore and the cop goes no 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 we're gonna arrest you put your hands behind your back and he's like well i mean can 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 we work this out and they go no no no, no. we're gonna arrest you and so he's like cops trying to arrest him he's struggling with him and the cops like he pulls back and the cops go i'm gonna tase you when it tase you pulls out a taser and then he kind of wrestles with the cop and like grabs a taser and runs away from one of the cops. And he goes back and he points the taser at one of the cops and he may or may not try to have shot the taser out. It missed. And then the other cop um, whose taser he took bring, shoots him as he's like running away, like two or three shots fired. And, you know, I think that is where, that is where we have the issue, you know, that I think is where really there's a big, a big left turn happens. And um, before we talk about it, so the chief of police resigned and she was this white lady, you know, um, I don't know. Is it wrong to bring up the fact that she was white? Like, um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if it's neither here nor there because like, like, cause my thing is this and I'll, we'll talk okay, about wait, it a little wait, bit wait, more. Wait, wait. Cause I feel like you're about to go off and I want you to go off. I want you to go off. Okay. But, just, but just for folks, the, chi the chief of police uh, resigned uh, the very next day and the one officer, uh, well, both officers were fired, okay? Um, oh, I'm sorry, one officer was fired. The other officer actually is on a leave, uh, paid leave of, leave of absence. Um, so the DA is looking into it and prosecuting. We should find the next couple of days. And the district attorney is black. I just want to give you a context. I don't know. I think in this day and age that we're talking about racism and white and black, I think that's important for folks to know because the, I don't know, I think just for optics purposes, I think it may be relevant. I don't know. You, uh, you tell me, does it matter that she's white? 
the chief of police, does it matter that the DA who's going to maybe pro- prosecute this, uh, these cops is black? You, uh, you tell me. And I was going to say, I don't think entirely that's a big, big selling point. And I'll say why is that it's the inherent fabric of policing that I feel like has been muddied. So I was actually listening to a podcast earlier today that talks about kind of the history of police, like how they kind of came to be and some of the things that were inherent in them. And people always used to say, you know, oh, police were, they were first uh, slave catchers. And now that is partially true. It's not true everywhere, but it is absolutely true that there's a section of the South that immediately after the Civil War was over, people whose job it used to be was to catch slaves, they immediately became police officers. And so a lot of the tactics that they were using to catch slaves that were out and about, that was what it was. And why I bring that up is the fact that it's inherent in the fact that they have deemed us this other. This force has deemed us this other. So it doesn't really necessarily matter what the person who is the police looks like per se. It's that this group, this monolithic group has grouped us, black people, as this monolithic like superpower. Like, I understand that that young man should not have pointed that taser at them. He should not have shot that taser at them. But it was shot. But right after that, he was no longer a threat because he was running away. And there have been several vid- video of that have taken place where you see people who are running away and someone shoots them to catch them. Because if they escape, what? What happens what if they happens? escape? That's what I'm asking. Like, the DUI, oh, because, they, because they don't get the prosecution for the DUI. They don't well, you the, still don't because he's dead now. So nothing, there's been no accomplishment. There's, there's no win. There's no, well, got him. Like, it's because of the fact that you feel like we're this inherent threat, then it's like, well, it makes sense. If I let him run to his sister's house, what if he murders his sister? Mm. Like, I don't, like, like the, all these things that, oh, that have okay. to be like, none of it makes sense. So, so it's almost, so what about, so you bring up a very, very interesting point because I see that as, you know, he, the cop shooting him as he is valuing his life less than, whereas you see it as he is like a, an existential threat or a threat if he were to escape or, or is it both? It's both. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Because okay. Like, what, I, what I've said before is that we are both this super monster that is with unrivaled strength and just inherent threatening uh, <laughs> demeanor. We're People also, have seen you, Jelani. I know how you look. You're not intimidating at all. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not telling you that I am, but I'm telling you the situation that, I'm, oh. that, that we're that. And then we're also this lower than subhuman, probably can't read. We're, we're both these things at once. It's a really wild dynamic that you can say, okay, this person inherently is somehow threatening to me. He's a big black guy or, or whatever, like, or, or they, when they sit there and like try to misgender black women, oh, like she's like a man. Like it's always that we are just this, this monster, you know? And it's fascinating, honestly, how stupid it is that someone can sit there and like say, okay, this is what you are and have that so deeply embedded inside of yourself that if someone's running away because of what they look like, this is still a threat to me. So it's still happening. And I think it's going to continue to happen. And I think that as it continues to happen, it's going to fuel more and more momentum for us to really, you know, make changes, some really major changes. And we know that at the federal level, we have Trump in office and we know that it's not going to happen there. Um, but we're going to need to keep working at it. And I want to talk a little bit today about uh, some ways in which people have proposed to uh, solve this problem. Right? Now, before you talk about these ways to solve this problem and all this stuff that you have here in the notes looks really, really good. However, yeah. I have to stop you, Patrick, because the fact of the matter is Trump had an executive order and he solved the whole thing. Solved the entire <laughs> he thing. Did. 
yeah, everything is solved. So I don't like this stuff looks good. We'll go through it. But he saw the executive order. He's like, yeah, they're gonna yeah. stop doing stuff. And no, it's the, solved. It's, yeah, so yeah, a bunch of cops. Were, they 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 all applauded him while he did it, and so we're cool. Yeah, I mean, we can. <laughs> We, we we were in good hands. We were in good hands. That's our show, folks. Um, no, and I I you know, it came out today, and it was so in, it was so insignificant. I didn't put it in the show notes. Oh it no no no! So, yeah, I know. Like, yeah, it was nothing. It was such like just just get out of here with that. Get I can't even with you. I I can I can't take him ser- seriously anymore. I just can't. I'm sorry. When did you start? When when good was point. that? Yeah. Okay. Good point. All right. Um. So. Let's talk about some things that people have proposed uh, that may seem some, in some respects, very conservative, very minimal steps, and some other folks have considered very extreme and radical steps. So, you know, you have one side of the argument, which is, um, I want to abolish the police, you know. Um, the other side is reform, such as eight can't wait reforms. That's, that's been floated out there. Um, so you have this big spectrum across kind of the whole, across the whole, I guess, family of, of Black Lives Matter, right? I think when you look at eight can't wait, you know, reforms, which is just these eight reforms that are just like basic, basic reforms um, to help the police, to give folks just these kind of ground level minimal standards of how to be treated right we talked about it on our last episode yeah talked a little about that and then we have this defund the police right which is considered radical right uh the right the right wing conservative talking heads would make you believe that it basically you know, we want to be like the purge right like that's what defund the police means um but you know that's not really what it is and i want to spend some time talking about that because i think Folks are listening, and I think that um, when you really understand defund the police, I think folks who listen to it, who take time to really dig deeper and peel the onion will find out that there's a lot of stuff there that shit, a lot of people would agree with. So um, let's, there's a clip from our uh, good friends, uh, you know, the John Oliver show at uh, this uh, last last week tonight on HBO. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going to listen to him. And he's going to kind of give a really quick explanation on uh, what defund uh, the police movement really means. Yeah, let him do that. But before, he's our friend? I didn't know that. I guess, we'll, okay, cool. Well, I mean, I at him. I at oh, him. Okay. So, All right, got you. That I makes mentioned sense. him in my tweets, so. Got course, let's, 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 John, take, take it over, friend. You got it. Defunding the police absolutely does not mean that we eliminate all cops and just succumb to the purge. Instead, it's about moving away from a narrow conception of public safety that relies on policing and punishment and investing in a community's actual safety net. Things like stable housing, mental health services and community organisations. The concept is that the role of the police can then significantly shrink because they are not responding to the homeless or to mental health calls or arresting children in schools or really any other situation where the best solution is not someone showing up with a gun. That is the idea behind defund the police if you actually listen to it. Okay. All right. I think you convinced me. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you're, I think to you, I think he's already preaching to the choir. Exactly. So. Real quick behind the curtain type of situation. Um, before we recorded this show and like, you know, the week leading up to us recording this show, I had sent you a text saying, Hey, I think that this, the fun thing sounds kind of tasty to me. I'm like, I, I want to learn more, but I, I feel like maybe I have one foot over here. And then like, before you had heard some of the stuff, you were like, well, no, 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 no. Cause X, oh, Y, and oh, Z. Oh, you said the defund stuff, the defund you'd heard about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so, it, yeah, I was yeah, saying like, you know, for anybody who didn't know, like the fact that we talk to each other when we're not having the show sometimes. So I had texted you and like you would hit me back and we had a long conversation in reference to it. And I was just letting you know, like my thoughts on the on the matter. And then we both went our separate ways and kind of started reading up on it. And here we are when there's more and more information about it than there was previously. Because one of the big things you said was, what do you have that you can get a politician behind? 
and I didn't really know. And you just like, you were throwing out scenarios like, well, what if this situation happens? What, what, if, what have you thought about? And I was like, I haven't gotten that far just yet, but I want to learn more. And then, like I said, we kind of separated and both got more information. And here we are. John Oliver's talking about it. And some other people are talking about it, aren't they? Yeah. And I think it's true. I think part of, you know, you can't just be behind a slogan. It doesn't work that way. You know, there needs to be something that you can hang your hat on. I think that's something that we, we were discussing. I think being able to have evidence-based approaches and being able to really, really alter the way that we police ourselves, right? I think this is, this is the way forward. And so, so of course, there are a lot of people who have been doing this stuff for years and decades well before we had a podcast and well before uh, there was any thought about defunding the police state. And uh, there was a gentleman, his name is uh, uh, Alex Vitali. And uh, he wrote this book in uh, 2017 called The End of Policing, right? It sounds like a pretty, I mean, who's, who's going to really read that book, right? In 2017, End of Policing. Well, I hope, he's, um, I hope somebody read it because if not, he's probably <laughs> not doing very well at all. No, I mean, but I mean, he's kind of the guy that's like, I've been talking about this for years, right? All of a sudden. But it's fine. He's been thrown to prominence. And um, his work is now really being looked at. So he's a sociologist. Um, he uh, is actually part of uh, the Policing and Social Justice Project at Brooklyn College. Uh, it's, I mean, he's been writing about it for about 25 years, like I said, decades, right? Uh, now, he does come from uh, the lens of a white academic, um, but he argues that rather than focus on police reforms or officer retraining, that the country really needs to reconsider fundamentally what is the police and really, quite frankly, what, what they should be doing at all, right? And he, there was actually this great article on NPR, and I'm going to talk about just a few just a few awesome nuggets that really refines the idea of what does defund mean, right? And we'll talk about the messaging and all that stuff, but let's really talk about what defunding the police means, right? And here are some great questions, right? So, uh, Jelani, do you have it up on your screen here? Can you? See? I do uh, have it up on my screen, yes. Okay, so just so I'm not talking the whole time, can, can you read the first question? It says, uh, it's right under... Oh, it's it's it? in pink. The That's pink one? right, and it's... Okay, cool. Got it. I got to read uh, that. Yeah, it's right there. Do you see that I'll, there? I'll read the pink part. One of the arguments you make in the end of policing is that police are being asked to do too much. They're basically being tasked with addressing every social problem that we have. So what are police asked to do and what should, we, what should they be asked to do? So Vitaly says, one of the problems that we're encountering here is that there's a massive expansion of the scope of policing for like 40 years. Now, policing is happening in our schools. And, it's, and we're asking police to do things like, like solving problems like homelessness, untreated mental illness, youth violence. Um, and quite frankly, like historically, that's what we associate police with. Now, policing, have become, policing now has become more intensive, more invasive, more aggressive. So we really got to rethink on why we've turned to the police to handle all these social problems for us that we really don't manage properly. And so we need, we, we need to really pull back the idea of using police to really take care of our social uh, issues that could really be reformed through other methods. People ask the question, without police, what do you do when someone gets murdered? What do you do when your house gets robbed? What do you say to those people who have those concerns? So Vitaly says, look, he's certainly not talking about any kind of scenario where tomorrow someone flips a switch and there are no police. What he's talking about is a systematic questioning of the specific roles that police currently undertake and attempts to develop evidence-based alternatives that we can dial back those reliance on them. And the feeling that he has is that it actually takes, a, that's the vast majority of what police want to do. They want to be able to take care of the more, the more police actions and having to be like police so, social workers with guns. Because like, if you talk about burglary, right, as an example, right? Mm -hmm. Now, a huge amount of burglary is because of drug use. People are, you know, they need to find ways to steal stuff so they can take their money for their drug use, right? That's the vast majority of what statistics prove. And he said, look, we need to really rethink about how we even approach drugs. 
so that property crime isn't a primary way that people have access to drugs. We don't have any part of this country that has a high quality medical drug treatment program on demand, but we have policing on demand everywhere and it's not working, right? Like, like someone, someone posted this meme and this is not what Vitaly says, this is what I'm saying. Oh, but, okay. Um, he, he, he didn't talk about a meme in the book? All no, right, perfect. He didn't talk about a meme. But it said something like, it showed this meme of this 911 operator and this person on the other line basically saying, oh, look, someone's robbing my house. Um, and the operator says, okay, I'll send a social worker, right? And it's like, that's really unfair, right? That's really unfair because there are times where um, police don't even want to be part of that situation. You ask any average cop and they'll be like, that's not my job. <laughs> like, don't call me to the middle of a domestic fight. You send some social worker, you send some, some, some person who has some expertise in marriage counseling, some person who has like some certificates in psychology or, or some therapy or something to go talk to folks. They don't need a cop. They don't need a cop right now. Yeah, it's exactly. Because like, unless it's like some kind of situation with deep domestic violence, and if that's the case, still a social worker could get that woman out of there and someplace safe. So right. even that is not a situation we need somebody with a gun. Yeah. I say let cops do cop duties, you know, like, and a large part of those, whatever that looks like, you know, maybe cops are just relegated to the most violent of crimes, right? The most super violent of crimes. And then you have an escalation unit if that's the case, if that makes people feel warm and fuzzy. But truth be told, like 80% of all calls that go into um, uh, police stations are nonviolent crimes. There's situations where it's just like, you know, someone fell asleep at a Wendy's drive-thru, right? Go take care of it. Right? Yeah. Like, and, and does every situation need a, 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 a lethal weapon? You I know? don't like, think so. Like, we don't need like, Mel Gibson. No. Like, can we do that? You know, if you want cops to go out and do these things, then can't like cops like maybe have their gun in their, you know, uh, have their gun in their trunk. So they got to, or, or, or some method. I mean, cause this just isn't working or, you know, there's ways to like maybe educate the cops more, you know, we, there's statistics that show like there's other like Finland and Norway and all these other countries, like the cops have a high bar of education that's required. It's a highly paid profession, but it's also a highly trained, high, uh, highly credentialed, and in many cases, highly academic profession. Yeah, a lot of times from what I saw, like they're trained for like about three years to do that versus us who are trained in like, like two months and like, all right, cool, you're ready to go. And like you just said, there's so many pieces of the component that don't really fit. Like, we don't have the firemen rebuild your house after they finish uh, take, putting the fire out. Like they have one job for the most part. Like that's right. I, that's not that's uh, that's not their job to do so. Yeah. So, what do we do next? What do we? What is the process that uh, of how we move forward? Is this is what this is what Vitaly says? Okay. This is what Vitaly says. Okay. Just continuing forward. Okay. He says, look, part of our misunderstanding about the nature of policing is we keep imagining that we can turn the police into social workers, right? Um, we think that we can make it nice and friendly community outreach workers, but shit, man, the truth is police are violent workers. I mean, that's what distinguishes them from all other functions of government. I mean, they have the legal capacity to use violence in situations where the average citizen would be arrested. So when we turn a problem over to police to manage like homelessness, drug abuse, mental illness, things of that nature, there'll be violence because those are ultimately the tools that we've given and equipped them. Things like handcuffs and threats and guns and arrests, like that is what the root of policing is. So if we don't want violence, we should try to figure out a way to not get the police involved because they are a violent organization. That is their role. You know, they're, they're not meant to be like social workers, that's the truth. That's just the truth. But we've, we've expanded their jobs to be that. And that is unfair to what they're trained for. And quite frankly, um, is beyond their capacity to do so. Absolutely. And another thing that I would say is I feel like people explode in their head how much violence is actually happening on a day-to-day -day basis just in general. I'm not saying that violent crime don't, does not happen. Obviously it happens. But we pretend like we're living in the movie where, man, people are just blasting each other all over the place. If you go to Chicago, you're just dodging bullets. Patrick, you've been in Chicago. We don't live in John Wick. No, so we don't. 
you've been to Chicago several times. Did you have to put your bulletproof vest on when you went to Chicago? Because based no, on what not. I hear from people, you get to yeah. Chicago, you land, and they start shooting at you immediately. Like <laughs> they that's... actually hand you a they hand you a gun and a bulletproof vest when you get off the plane. Exactly. Like, like you're gonna need this. There. You're gonna need this. No, and that's the thing I'm saying. Like we are conflating fiction with reality. And I feel like the police are doing the exact same thing. They see this fictional version of the scary black person or even just a scary brown person in general for a lot of cases. Cause like, if you fit certain profiles, once again, you're just automatically a threat. What are you, what are you up to? What, what are you going to do next? Like you just said before earlier in the show that I'm not a threat. So tell me if I'm not a threat and I'm obviously not really a threat. Why have I had guns pulled on me by police? The only time I've ever dealt with a gun is because a police officer pointed it at me. Think about that. How does that make sense to anybody? But it's the fact that like, once again, I am seen a certain way because how could I not be? What else am I other than somebody who's up to something? And that's the thing that needs to be like kind of kicked out of them. You know, something, something got to change. So, you know what I always had a problem with, and I think I talked about this last week, is the term defund the police. I think the problem I have with it is I think it's because we both had a communications background. I think the problem I have with it is I think it's like a communications issue. I mean, a messaging issue. I think people are starting to learn, okay, if you read deeper into it, what defund the police means. But I think, and the media is starting to kind of talk about it more and get a little bit nuanced. I just feel like defund the police, people equate that with abolishment. And I can understand that. and, and, And I don't think that there's, any situation where there's been a complete abolishment of any police agency, right? I mean. Well, no, no, absolutely not. But there have been other um, established um, governmental, government-backed institutions that have been defunded. And that's kind of the problem. Well, like defund means to like, defund means to not like decrease, right? or reallocate, but defund means to just completely withdraw the amount of funding. And that's really, that's really not true, right? Because they are not defunding the police. They are still funding them in some capacity, just, you know, there hasn't been a, cause, and, and that's what I want to get to, you know, like. What I was going to say though, is that like, okay, if I remove any, cause a full removal is a removal, right? But a partial removal is also a removal. So to defund, if I take some funds away, I still have defunded. Now, I understand some people think, you know, the sum of all parts is, okay, this is a zero-sum game. If you defund, you meant I took every single dollar out, but that's not what they're trying to say. So it's all about, I guess, the nuance in language. In fact, I already have the episode title in my head because I love to be alliterative. So I already know what it's going to be called. But it has to do with defund. Because it can still mean a portion of the funds are taken away that they don't need anymore because they don't have to do these other jobs. They can focus their funding, their training on the job <laughs> they're supposed to be doing. But I think that's the problem, right? I mean, I, I, I mean, you and I agree, you know, it's potato, it's potato, potato, tomato, tomato, right? I think we agree we agree in the spirit of it but i think the message is getting mixed because defund and i can look up what webster dictionary says what defund means right because it's not talking about reallocation it's not talking about reinvestment right defund means to completely zero out the budget the, the zero out the funding for it but that's not the case because you're not zeroing out the police department zeroing out would mean there's and and I would argue that you can call it police, you can call it community hall monitors, you can call it whatever you want. If there is a force enforcement mechanism, a law enforcement mechanism in place, like um, they would basically be policing. So I think, and I don't want to be nuanced about it, but I think that's the problem why a lot of people can't get behind defund the police because just the term itself is very off-putting. It's not as palatable. And we talked about this, I think even last week, that if they just change it to something else, like, I mean, you're a wordsmith, you know, craft something that, that, that sounds catchier than defund the police because the last thing you want to do in communications, particularly in advertising, 
And for those who don't, folks don't know, I need a reminder, Jelani works in the world of copy advertising. Like, you don't want to confuse your audience. There should be no confusion over what you're trying to say. And so all I'm saying is don't confuse the fuck out of people because I agree with 90% and maybe even 98% of uh, what Vitaly's saying, but it gets confused because you use the term defund. Change that adjective. Change that verb to something else because I think good people, moderate people would get behind a, a whole slew of reforms. And when they see that sign being held up that says defund, they're talking about abolishment. And folks like Tucker Carlson on Fox News can say things like we want to do things like the purge. Because you can't say, hey, I want to defund the police, but hold up, look at my explanation. It doesn't work that way in, uh, uh, in slogans. You tell me. No, and I, and, I, and I see your point, and we've talked about it before, and I was saying, like, one, and obviously I am not deep enough in the movement for me to sit there and say, here's my submission. But I think that Rethink the Police does about the same thing without as much confusion. It's, it's still as quick and stuff like that, because if we, even, if we, even if we were to rethink it as something that doesn't exist, it still kind of has the same result. Like, I can go further into it, but the automatic thought is not, oh, well, we're just gonna have anything? That's what I'm saying. Because if we are saying, hey, I want them to be responsible for X versus X, Y, Z, Q, U, R, S, then we're rethinking their, their current structure. But like I said, just workshopping, workshopping. Yeah, I think that's what it needs to be. I think it needs to just workshop it out, but I'm glad that the media, and I've been watching, you know, Good Morning America, and I've been watching the, the evening news just to see what the average American is watching or listening to. I mean, we're not even average anymore, just kind of what, what middle, middle America is watching. And, um, and, you know, that's why I watch like those morning shows is because I imagine that's kind of what the middle America suburban families watching when they're waking up in the morning, they're drinking their coffee, they're getting their kids ready for school. They watch, you know, George Stephanopoulos, or they watch the Today Show or whatever, right? And so that's when they get the top of the story news. And so I watched those shows with that in mind. And the whole idea of defunding and going into deeper explanation, like they, I mean, it is, I mean, it is getting through. It's getting through. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes you just got beat some, something got beat a drum enough time for somebody like, okay, yeah. this is what's going on. And if you have enough people that you trust talking about it from all walks of life, because yeah. it, it sounds kind of crazy and I'll admit it, but it was funny because when I actually was watching the daily show and one of the key authors of that eight can't wait when he was like, you know what? I've kind of turned the corner on defund the police. I was like, okay, so this thing actually is getting traction because this is the person who actually had the counter argument previously. And he was like, well, actually, this for this current time frame that we're in right now, this makes more sense. Maybe it's still that it has a messaging problem. Maybe it needs to still be clarified in a lot of different ways. But he still saw the value as opposed to what he was bringing to the table. Yeah, and you know, a good friend of mine talked about like, you know, they 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 were trying to help me understand the defund the police. I was like, wouldn't wouldn't you want these kind of minimal reforms? Like, just get the basic reforms like the eight can't wait just so we get something in place. Right. And they were like, you know, like the eight can't wait. It's almost like a spin the face at this point, you know, because it's such a minimum bar. That's like, you, you can act, you can enact all those right now with, with a strike of a pen. Like that is not moving the needle on this, you know, cause Minneapolis had the eight can't wait and implemented. And that's where George Floyd got killed. Right. That's, so, that was exactly so that was the point, right? And it's right right now, it's like you have an opportunity to make revolutionary, radical change, right? Like you, sh you, you aim for the home run. You shoot for the stars at this point. Shake the entire system paradigm shifted. Because anything less, you are just negotiating with yourself. Like why would you accept the minimum bar and then reach for more? Reach for the stars, take nothing less. Because if you end up halfway, you'll still be a you know you're, you'll 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 still be a better off place than where you were to uh, with that minimal you know that minimal um uh tactic with you know the eight the, which people are saying the eight can't wait like so exactly what you meant to say Patrick real quick I want to make sure that the idiom that you were trying to say is clarified for everybody you yeah, were trying yeah. to say 
aim for the moon, and even if you miss, you'll still end up amongst the stars. Boom, nailed it. Yeah, yeah. You know how I feel about you correcting me. You know how I don't like that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that is my point. So I want to bring up just as a, I didn't want to like talk too much about this. And it's kind of a weird place to put it in, but I want to talk about the recent hanging deaths. Yeah, no, you know? and, and you absolutely should because the, the, the thing is because- It's still happening. It's happening now. Yes, absolutely. And I was going to say, and we'll go into detail about that, but this is, this is the, 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 almost the death throes of white supremacy, I feel like, in a lot of uh, key ways. Reason being is that this groundswell, this movement, is having a lot of people show their ass as far as what they think about this movement. They are equating it to some kind of a reverse KKK and stuff like that. One of my friends who actually works in um, credit card uh, customer service, they were saying that someone called in and said, so now that the blacks want to be on top, what are y'all going to do about it? And the fact is that they were talking to a black man, but they didn't realize it because apparently in their racist brain, obviously someone who works in customer service couldn't be black. <laughs> but that company responded saying, hey, if you have any customer who hit you with any kind of racist shit. They didn't say shit. But if you have any customer who hit you with any kind of racist anything, let us know. We will cancel their card. We will cancel their shit. Like, we are not playing around with these people. And that's the thing. It's like, there's a shift. There's a paradigm shift. And there's going to be people on the other side who are like, no, no, no. Where I'm comfortable can't change. I've had so many arguments with people who have just decided, you know what? I'm going to be straight up racist. I used to talk around shit, but now I just <laughs> no straight shit. up mask off now. The manga is coming off. The yeah, manga like, like is off. I don't give a fuck. Like, I will, and they don't say like racist shit really, like as far as like <laughs> quote unquote slurs but they'll say stuff like no matter who you bring up who's an innocent person well you know 14 years ago he did this one crime so i mean you I mean he's a bad guy it's like that means nothing like that does not mean that person deserved death but you're trying to talk your way into making it make sense because you're racist you just don't want things to change or when you say oh these looters are making it so that these kids can't eat Oh, really? You didn't care about kids not being able to eat when you had kids in cages in the border, which, by the way, is still happening right now. But you think that I can't, like, walk and chew, chew gum at the same time. I know that there's other terrible things happening under this government as well. So don't pretend like all of a sudden you care about innocent people, innocent kids, when that child and that mother who went into that store that was empty from quote-unquote looting, they can go to another store. I'll give them gas money to go to another store. But don't pretend like, oh, look what, the, look what they've done with their racist divisiveness. Being divisive is not saying, hey, I want to not be killed anymore by a institution that's supposed to serve and protect. That's not being divisive. That's asking for just simple equality. Whew, I got, got heated. Go talk about the hanging by oh. the way. <laughs> no, I'll just, just take a step back real quick. Because, you know, it was, it was, I saw this meme as memes are just making the rounds right now. Like the, the internet is just killing shit right now. The internet, I think 2020 has got to be like the, the year of, of the internet because the internet has really just shown that, that through COVID, had we not had the internet, we would, I don't know what we'd be doing. I don't know if, if we wouldn't have streaming, we wouldn't have like, we would be all just, the purge would be happening right now because um, there was this one meme that said, you know, you're lucky that black people are asking for, uh, are just asking for equality and not revenge. Because like if black folk were asking for, um, were asking for uh, revenge, oh, it would be, it would be like, what is it? Uh, uh, what is that uh, show, um, that movie, um, Us? Yeah. just the underground people are coming out. Like, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not calling black people underground, but like, it's like, they've been, they've, they've had enough. She right? just come they've to roost. Enough. And that's, and that's part of what us is about. Right. It's like, uh, it's a commentary on, no, it's not like social. A little commentary. bit about, a little bit. So it's definitely okay. a social okay. commentary, definitely a social commentary, but it's about people being forgotten. So you're right. You're right about that. It's about the forgotten people rising up. So yes, you're right about that. Yeah. Okay. But okay. that does speak to something that's a really good point is that, that's always kind of been the issue. Like a lot of people talk about the fact that what has kind of pushed this racism thing all these years for hundreds of years started with the original sin of slavery. Essentially what you're dealing with is the fact that, hey, we did this terrible thing to you 
We kind of let you free afterwards. However, we're just kind of waiting for you to just bug out on us. And that's kind of where that whole thing about us being this inherent threat. Because what do you think? Because they think to themselves, well, if something like did this to me, I would do this. And we're like, yeah, you're probably right. We probably will be in our rights to just bug out and just go crazy and murder everybody. But we don't want that. That's not, that's not <laughs> what we want. We just want to just chill. But you're like, but one you know, day you're going to, right? But one day you're going to. No, I don't want to just kill everybody. Like, just calm down and we can just do our thing and you can do your thing. <laughs> but no, they have it in their heart of hearts. Like, yeah, but if we let them get any one more leg up to us, that's when they're going to do it. They'll kill all of us. And that's why I feel like this, Yeah. No, no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, that's the thing. I feel like that's something that's inside a lot of people's souls. Like, they don't say it. I think it's a subconscious thing. But it's the belief of like, I think that one day, and then that's <laughs> is that what white people think? I, I think, feel I, it's subconsciously. Don't think that. I mean, maybe like old racist Asians think that, but 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 why would they? Like they didn't subjugate anybody in America to like you know, so they don't have a reason to think that one day. But if you were the ruling class who did subjugate a bunch of people for three hundred years, and then you let them go, and then whenever they try to do something on their own, you burn that shit down to make sure they stayed in their quote unquote place. And then you had a situation where you're they, Oklahoma, you're talking about yeah, Tulsa. I am exactly and Tulsa and, uh, and Rosewood also. And then and you bring Rosewood. up a situation where you couldn't drink the same water as them. Or if you looked at one of their women, you could be hung. So like the situation is still happening right now. So all these things happen. And this stuff is now a long time ago. This stuff is in our parents. Exactly. Our parents lifetimes. My great grandmother was a slave. Like it's not a long time ago. It's not a long time ago. Yeah, people forget that. You know, there's a saying, and I'm going to paraphrase Malcolm X, you know, you, you, you stab me in the back with a knife that reaches, that is six inch deep. When you pull it out three inches, that's not progress. And so these, these minor reforms, these, these, um, these basic conditional reforms are just they're not going to work we need to look at systematic change and it starts with the police department it starts with law enforcement and you know case in point is the shit's still happening and you know there are hanging deaths just recently uh two two black men uh markham halsh and uh robert fuller uh they were 50 miles apart actually uh in distance uh, Malcolm was a 38-year-old black man that was found uh, hanging from a tree in Victorville. Um, and the L.A. County Sheriff said that they said it was suicide. And originally, uh, preliminarily, they said that they found no evidence of foul play. And then just a week later, Robert Fuller um, was discovered hanging from a tree in Palmdale. Um, and if anybody knows the Southern California area, Victorville and Palmdale not very far from each other. Um, and the initial cause of death was listed as a suicide. Uh, LA County Sheriff's has ruled out it, um, well, because of all this attention, LA County Sheriff uh, have not ruled out um, a suicide. They've actually backtracked and that they're going through a full autopsy, including looking at the way the rope was tied and other forensic techniques. Uh, the LA County Coroner has not ruled out homicide. And there was a report that uh, one of these gentlemen had an interaction with one of the police police officers, um, police departments, um, was the last kind of interaction that, that, that they had. So um, I'm just putting out what's known facts. I'm not making any inferences. I just want to let folks know what, what the latest kind of whispers are. But um, I can't believe this is coincidental. Oh, no, no. You're, you're, you're fine. You don't have to make inferences, Patrick. You can go ahead and provide facts. I'll <laughs> okay. make inferences, though. Okay, I will make inferences. <laughs> Nobody is in this, uh, this current climate and saying, you know what? I'm a black person. You know, I'm going to do, I'm feeling really suicidal. I'm going to kill myself in this way. And no one's going to realize that. They said it was uh, COVID also. COVID I don't know if you heard that. They said he was distraught because of COVID. You can kill yourself in all kinds of different ways. No, no. something that is that historically connected to a certain way that Black people are killed, I do not believe it. And on top of that, there have been other hangings that have also taken place across the country. So these are the ones that we have information about. These are the ones that happened in California, but there have been others that have also been happening. There has also been a Black girl who was hung. The fact that all this is happening, 
off of trees. So you're basically telling me that all of you have the exact same idea to kill themselves in this historically terrible way that's connected to black bodies because they got COVID. Yeah, nah. I will inference that that's some motherfucking bullshit. Fuck out of here. <laughs> and like, I don't mean to laugh. I don't mean to laugh. This is just, it's just all laughable. I mean, it just literally is just buffoonery because one of the gentlemen, I'm not going to go and look, you know, I'm not going to, you know, it doesn't matter the details of it, but one of the gentlemen were hung in front of city hall. Like, you know, yeah. one of the gentleman was found with the back, his backpack was on still like things I mean, that do I not just, make sense. It just, yeah, and his family is all saying like, look, he's not a, he wasn't suicidal. Like he wasn't, like he wasn't political. He wouldn't go and do something. Like he wouldn't make a political statement like that. Like it just, you know, like, you know, I think you said it best. People can die in many, many different ways. Like, why would you do that? Like, like, why would you in that specific way? Unless you're trying to, to make a political statement about it, right? Exactly. Now think about the reverse and think about what makes sense because the reverse is definitely a political statement because that's how hanging has always been used. It's a political statement. Same thing when Vlad the Impaler, the guy who um, was the inspiration for Dracula, when he hung people's heads in front of his castle, this is saying, this is a warning. And that's what they're trying to say because of all this momentum. And because of the fact, like I said before, the the institution of white supremacy is like, fuck, we're about to lose this shit. We've had it for so long. Fuck. People are showing up and saying, we're going to scare these people back into their homes so they can start behaving as they should. That's what they're trying to accomplish. So you so this is not just all coincidental. I mean, that's just it's just not it's just not all happening. There's there's something political. There is something a file about this because I no I I completely agree. I, I I legitimately don't think that it's that it's coincidental. And I cross my fingers and I hope that um, I hope that uh, this shit just stops, Lonnie. No, it stops. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now. Back when the show had its standard um, segments, we had a section where I would do letters from Donnie. You know how I get emails from the guy who's in the White House? Oh, yeah. For folks who don't know, you, you signed up for his newsletter, right? By and accident. So you by get, accident. Yeah. So you, so you now get the MAGA World newsletters and emails, and one of them are fundraising emails, right? Exactly. And it used to be really funny because I would get to see the other side of the coin, but you know what? Now they just piss me the fuck off. The one I got, I got two today. I'm not even going to go into too much detail. But I got two today, and they were talking about Trump going down the elevator when he was first running for president. The fuck I care about that shit right now? Like, how is he going to bring it up? Like, so we're going to at least push pause on that segment, but I want to let you know that I still get the letters. <laughs> I still get the letters. I still read the letters, but they piss me the fuck off. They're not funny anymore. It's not a joke, homie. Yeah, you're done with it. You're yeah. done. You're not, yeah. you're, you're not. So with that, in the spirit of that, we're, we're going to just for the foreseeable future, just stick with political stuff um, and stuff that just, I think it's very important to bring these kind of things to awareness for folks and our small, small, small universe that we broadcast to really teeny tiny universe that we broadcast to. I think we're better served being able to provide information, be able to move the conversation. Um, you know, I think that that is our contribution to the cause along with our other things that we do in our, you know, personal lives. I mean, off, off wax that we do, but I think for this forum, I think this is a great way where we can contribute and hopefully move the conversation, to educate people on what's going on. I totally, folks. totally agree. But do you have anything else to say? I got one more thing to say. All right, cool, 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 cool. All right, so I'm going to get on my soapbox really tall today. Oh, um, I had been struggling through this process to really try to figure out how I can be an agent of change and really see how I can help move the needle. And I've, I also want to be able to 
be a role model to my daughter and be able to show her that this is America and this is a teachable moment and to show her and be a model for her um, in knowing how to be an American and how to express your views if you have grievances with the government or society as a whole. And one of it is protesting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we went out to a, a protest in Long Beach uh, last weekend and it was amazing. You know, she held up a sign and, you know, it was just, hopefully I planted a seed for her because this type of change requires deliberate intentional work. Um, And we talk about how we can really make generational reforms and how we can really start to, to change how we police each other, our ideas of what police officers should do. And I've been really struggling to find a way out. And I think one thing I want to mention is the BLM movement Black Lives Matter movement. I think one thing that has been a catalyst is really documenting and filming what's been going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you, know, you fill in the blank with any scenario um, of cops killing black people. Um, I think the common denominator is that it was documented. It was filmed. And I want to shout out and I want to continue to tell people even in the aftermath as it, re- as it relates to the protests, it is the footage that is captured. You know, this revolution will be televised. You know, Ooh, it will shit. be broadcasted. Okay. And so I think that when we look back at this time, we're going to know that it's because we've been able to broadcast the revolution that that is why we have been able to change the world. And so continue to do that. I want to end with, uh, with Alex Vitale, who we talked about earlier. And there was a, um, there was, you know, as part of that NPR article. And I want to really end it on this point because for folks who really think that this, this task is um, impossible and that this task is almost immovable because it's, it's too difficult. It's too large and people are going to lose interest. Um, if we can find any silver lining, COVID-19 has allowed us to be hyper-focused and really realize what is most important to us. So I'd like to end on really what, what his response was to, to one of the NPR host questions. And John, if you can oblige me and read what the NPR host asked him. If we were to take serious steps toward moving in the direction of having police address fewer of our social problems and putting those problems in the hands of the people who are actually more equipped to deal with them, what would be the next step? What is the next thing that we as a country have to push for? And Vitaly responds, I think this will look like a series of local budget battles. And that's really what's going on across the country is when we have these divest campaigns in places like Los Angeles and in Minneapolis and New York and Durham, North Carolina, Nashville, Tennessee and Dallas, Texas. These are the folks who are saying concretely, We don't want police in our schools. We want that money spent in ways that help our children, not criminalize them. We don't want more money for overtime for narcotics officers. We want actual drug treatment programs, safe injection facilities, and things that will help people. So that's what this looks like. It's about a rallying cry to city council members and mayors around a new vision of creating healthier communities. And I think that is a positive fucking silver lining because that is achievable and that is something we can hang our hats on. Do it locally, do it regionally, and then do it statewide. I love it, I love it, I love it. We will be back next week with some more Hopefully better news, but we try to make it fun as we could. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. We love you. Thank you so much. Good night. Peace.